Welcome to the Paradigm Shift on 4ZZZ 102.1, where we challenge the assumptions of our current society to resist oppression and investigate alternative ways of living for a world based on justice, solidarity, and sustainability. Welcome to the Paradigm Shift on 4ZZZ 102.1 FM. Don't just consume the media, be the media, be a part of uh, sharing the information that we care about. And today on the Paradigm Shift, we're going to be talking a bit about sharing information and gathering information. We are going to be talking about Pine Gap, the secretive US military spy base in the middle of Australia near Alice Springs. Um what it does, how every day it is playing a role in US militarism as um, whether we want Australia to be doing that or not. Pine Gap is there steadily working away, gathering data, sending data to US uh, bombers and military analysts. Um, We've got a couple of interviews about Pine Gap. One is with Kieran Finane, who has just written a book about Pine Gap um, called Peace Crimes and in it she talks a bit about, she's from Alice Springs, she talks a bit about the base and what it does but also has this story of resistance to the base following um, activists and a court case in the Alice Springs Supreme Court around that. So I spoke with Kieran about that book. The book is being launched this weekend, Uh, just came out this week publication and this weekend in West End at House Conspiracy there will be a book launch this Sunday afternoon at 4pm. So we'll hear from Kieran. We'll also hear from Brian Tui, a bit of a legend of Australian investigative journalism. Um, Brian's been following Pine Gap since the 1970s when it was very secretive about what happened there until the Whitlam government was in place. There was no public knowledge about what happened at Pine Gap. Um, And so I spoke with Brian about what Pine Gap does, um, how it connects us uh, maybe closer than we would like to the US military. And we also spoke at length about something Brian is an expert in, which is, did Pine Gap have a role to play in the dismissal of Gough Whitlam in 1975? has been in the news recently with the release of the Palace Letters. Um, But one of the subtexts there is that the the US government was very unhappy with Whitlam um, and Pine Gap was maybe part of that. And so, well, I got Brian talking about that and um, once you get him going, there's a wealth of information there. So we'll come to that later in the show. Um, So that's what's happening Stick around for the next hour and 
maybe let's start off with a chat that I had with Kieran Finane. Could you start off by introducing yourself? Well, I'm Kieran Finane. I'm a journalist. Uh, I live in Alice Springs. I've lived here since 1987. And you have just published a book called Peace Crimes uh, about Pine Gap broadly. Can you tell us what was the inspiration for writing this book? Um, So it is about Pine Gap, but my way into writing about that, which like a lot of people I had avoided over the years, it's just deep and complex and hard to penetrate, uh, very hard to get any questions uh, answered from people in absolute no-no to talk about in Alice Springs in terms of social conversation, anybody involved there, um, you can't have a conversation about what they do. It just shuts down the interaction immediately. Um, So in 2016, there was an exhibition in Alice Springs, and one of my interests has always been to write about um, the visual arts culture here. Um, but uh, the exhibition was by a young Melbourne photographer, Christian Lame Ruff, and he had taken a magnificent photo, sort of unsettling, uh, diabolically beautiful, Richard Tanter has described it as, and I agree with that. Um, and the more I looked at it and thought about it with a view to, you know, writing about it, the more I became aware that the photo really was a challenge to us to think about what goes on there. You know, there was no way I could just um, have an aesthetic response to it. Um, So that primed me for an interest, which was latent but not really awake in all of the issues around Pine Gap. And then in that same year, as you well know, Andy, there was the convergence on Alice Springs by uh, peace activists from around the country um, in association with the IPAN annual conference. So that's the Independent and Peaceful Australian Network Conference. Um, and they were their focus for that year was Pine Gap. That coincided with the 50th anniversary of the agreement between the US and Australia to host the base. And um, you were amongst those those, um, people coming to Alice for that event. And you and um, your friends um, bravely um, walked onto the base at night in the night of the 28th September to the 29th and were arrested and charged under the Defence Special Undertakings Act. And so when you're... uh, So I'll um, explain that that is uh, legislation dating from 1952. Um, It's defence legislation with very heavy heavy penalties for trespass onto a defence, an area used for defence. Um... And nobody had ever been charged under that act until 2005 when other protesters, one of them in common with your group and connected very much philosophically with your group, 
they trespassed and were charged for the first... There was the first trial under that Act. And ultimately, their convictions had been overturned um, because a loophole had been found in the Act. Suffice it to say that when you and your friends trespassed, you knew that the loophole in the Act had been closed off and that you were doing that under... In all likelihood, you would be charged and that um, the prospect of uh, an overturn on for those reasons would be slim. So when you and your friends uh, went to court, yeah, I've, I followed the case and reported on it. And, yeah, that was the basis then for the, the book. I felt at the end of that uh, court case that there was a bigger story to tell around the obsessive secrecy um, that is applied to Pine Gap, um, the heavy-handed way in which your prosecution and the trial was managed, the, its political nature, essentially, and also your own stories. I wanted to find out for myself what prompted you to to risk what you did? Um, what motivated you? What your thinking was in relation to the kinds of action that you were taking? And that's what the book is about. So the Pine Gap issue is, a, or issues, many and complex are explored in an attempt really to make sense of what you all did and what the government's reaction was. So it's really about Pine Gap. It's about the government's attitude towards national security and it's about dissent. And in the ways that it's about dissent, it's, I think, really broadly applicable to the moment that we're in. Like these goals that we might have of you know, a peaceful world, a cleaner world, a more sustainable world. You know, we might think that we're on board for that, but really, what does it take to to bring about change? So what's, what's the price of these things? Um, how willing are we to pay that price, to, to make that effort, take that risk? Where making a living is making a killing 
shifting through feeds and it's on to the next spot The destroyer of worlds, I became it on Xbox I mean it's cynical son, why you think Call of Duty donates money to the wounded warrior fund? The last starfighter hovers over Jalalabad Takes out a target in his home for the soccer game What have I become? What has war become? Ain't no citizens in this new realm Decks and a box of loaded cards to burn By the time you learn this rule But you, you're in a green zone Look at the trap that you've walked into Look at the trap, trap, Back to the desert, the one that in Nevada You can be born in Aurora to a Muslim scholar Children in tribal regions pray for foggy days Cause clear skies bring volleys from worlds away You will never see a city the same Only a sociopath remains unchanged And they wonder why we smoke the weed out 18 years to build a coffin 30 years to bleed out It's an army of one Group at the top Sending strangers to kill For the love of God Our daily life Predicated on death The violence beneath Sending strangers to kill It's a new national bird Its wingspan is 66 feet The old one's habitats are disappearing Sorry bald eagle You're obsolete What I am is what I am And what I've done is what I've done And I can't run to make right none Takes more than bleach To clean all of the blood off More than a protest More than a ballot initiative Revolutions allow we trace in the present From before we were born To the last dead president You ain't disillusioned You ain't breathing Hard to see the forest for the trees When the bushes want to kill This is for the nowhere folks With imperial past They wrote it in gasoline All you need is a match I mean, you need a lot more than that But a match is a decent place to start That is Soul and DJ Payne, one with National Bird there, a song about drone warfare, which uh, is what goes on from Pine Gap, amongst other things. The signals intelligence gathered from all those satellites there near Pine Gap are used to to decide what targets will be used in the U.S. drone assassination program and then also to use the GPS coordinates gathered from Pine Gap to actually target those drone strikes, which um, have been the cause of uh, much scrutiny. There's a, a lot of innocent people have died in drone strikes and besides that, it is um, quite a worrying way of doing warfare where there's no troops on the ground and essentially it's just uh, arbitrary assassination based on phone data of where what calls you're making um where what places you have been seen and that is the u.s drone program um which australia is intimately linked with through pine gap and that's what we're talking about with kieran finane about Pine Gap and about acts of resistance to it. Let's go back to the second part of that interview about Kieran's book, Peace Crimes. The format of the book's very interesting because you do 
do a little bit of a history of Pine Gap and what it's about, but there's also this the kind of narrative of the protests and the the court case, and then it's all intertwined with your own personal experiences of as an Alice Springs local. Um, what made you want to write the book in that kind of format? Um, it's part of the commitment that I have to trying to be transparent about where I'm coming from, about my subject position, as it's often called, in relation to what I'm reporting on. Um, I don't see myself as the sort of omniscient, um, detached authority, but as um, involved really in the storytelling and needing to be clear about um, where I'm coming from. That's part of it. But it's also a way, I suppose, to keep to the forefront of readers' minds that this touches on the lives of ordinary people in, in different ways, that they'll find, by me highlighting the way that I found my way into the story, right back to, for instance, the kind of upbringing that I had had um, in my Catholic family. Um, by highlighting that, I hope that readers will think also about their relationship to the story by, you know, um, walking in the landscape in and around our springs and, you know, in proximity to Pine Gap. I'm hoping that local people will relate to that and people who visited this country and know this landscape will relate to that and think about how the presence of Pine Gap in that very sort of physical, material sense of being here on our landscape, in our land. Um, those the questions that that really should pose for us. Mm. It's interesting as well as an Alice Springs local because I guess Pine Gap is something of global significance and it's about these big issues. We don't often think of it as a a local issue, but for people in Alice Springs, it totally is. It's a part of the town. Do you think that's a, a side of the story that um, that you bring out as a writer, having that experience? Um, to a degree, I think I could have um, possibly paid more attention to that. Um, but there's only so much that you can do in any one book. But, yeah, by, by making my own... Um, subject position as a local person very clear and the sort of perspective that that gave me and the comments that I could make and some of the local material that I could draw on even for instance in the kind of commentary that was made in our newspaper um, as I reported on the trials uh, all of that is a, a way into examining what the local relationship is. But it's actually, um, in public life, it's an incredibly muted uh, relationship. There, it's just not examined it's, uh, at all, really. For instance, the council policy in relation to Pine Gap is essentially unchanged for 30 years. 
Costa had a uh, review of policy recently. It's just, yeah, no discussion, just reiterated. The, you know, the uh, economic impact of having the base here in town, that's just never examined in detail and certainly never weighed up against what potentially is a very serious existential threat to Alice Springs. You know, it's not fanciful to see that Alice Springs and increasingly the top end of the Northern Territory are very would be very viable targets in um, an outbreak of hostilities between big powers. Mm. So in writing the book, what do you hope that readers take out of this? Um, really, I guess, uh, to examine and push for, e- examine what they think about the issues that are raised and push for much greater transparency and a public national debate about our relationship with the US and particularly about hosting the bases here. Uh, um, it's a lot to hope for. I think it's what many activists have been hoping for for a a very long time Mm. but yeah we can only keep trying yeah your book it's also it's very personal isn't it i think it's not a political it is political but it's not written as this detached thing it's a a story about people about yourself and about us and about these people's lives and it, it is a way of bringing each individual person's relationship to this very impersonal secret base out. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree with that. And it's an observation that um, one of the um, local speakers at the launch made, um, that it really had her sort of questioning how she was living her life and um, how she feels that she should be responding to not only this issue which is deeply troubling, but to the other, well, there are just so many other deeply troubling issues that we need to confront. So, you know, by by being a very personal book about the, the power of the ordinary person, which is a very strong message that I think the Peace Pilgrims made during the tr- trial, um, that not only in their actions, but also in their philosophy. It's it's about doing what you can as a person, you know, taking yourself physically to sites and witnessing and protesting, disrupting if possible. So that the power of the, the ordinary person, I think, is a good take out from the book. Mm. So, if people are interested in reading Peace Crimes, can they get a hold of it somehow? It shouldn't be too hard at the moment. Just after publication, your local bookshop um, should be stocking it. It's published by the University of Queensland Press, and, of course, you um, you can order it from them directly. Um, Hopefully, all the Australian local libraries will will have it in soon. it's also available as an e-book, but um, I have a great love of, of, of books in paper and 
of um, our bookshops, our libraries. I hope people will continue to read the the published book in in paper. Okay, thanks very much, Kieran. Uh, thank you, Andy. Thanks for all that you do. All the best. Cheers. Justice finds its peace rolling rapidly on this grinding road. Oh, did you know we were where the beats are known to blow the windows out? Then get you all in mode, some wish to control our souls, although we won't ever surrender, that we will never let go. 
overachieved, but now hold up You once were a warrior, but now your career For horror on the worldwide tour Is Combat Wombat there with Shoot to Kill from their album Just Across the Border? Um, you are on the Paradigm Shift on 4ZZZ 102.1 FM. Before Combat Wombat, there we were speaking with Kieran Fanane about her book Peace Crimes, which is available now in all good bookstores and also is being launched this Sunday from 4 p.m. at House Conspiracy, which is in Mollison Street in West End, um, with some of the stars of the book will be there, as well as a few other people, a bit of talking and a bit of hanging out, and you'll be able to get copies of the of the book there. Um, it's a good read. I've, I've read it. I recommend it. Um, coming up, we will be chatting with Brian Tui, also about Pine Gap, but... Before we get to that, some important announcements. It is Radiothon time on Triple Z, and that means it's that time where we call on you to help support us stay on air by subscribing, and if you do so, you can win some rad prizes. And so there's lots of different options um, on how to subscribe, if you go to 4zzz.org.au slash support, you can find all the different uh, subscriber prices and what they get you. Um, you know, you're a passionate subscriber, you get a T-shirt and all these and a tote bag and things. But um, there's different levels, uh, full subscription, $70, passionate, 130 concession, 35 um, and you can get plenty of other other options there. If you're a musician or business, you can do it, and then you get to uh, some sponsorship announcements as part of it. So get amongst that, um, and there's different prizes to be won, lots of different prizes. Each individual subscription type has its own prizes, um, and then today, if you subscribe today, each day you'll go into Daily Draw. Today it is the draw is for Eternal Happy Hour at the Scratch. That's only if you're 18 plus. If you're under 18, time to go for a different prize. Um, plus, you get House Party Performance by Kim Salmon of The Scientists and Kim Salmon and The Surrealists. Um, so, happy, uh, happy Hour prices on everything for a whole year from Brisbane's favourite no BS craft beer bar, The Scratch in Milton. 
Um, and also, everyone who subscribes before 7 p.m. today will receive a link to a video performance from Kim Salmon to watch from the comfort of your own home. Um, yeah, hopefully, bust out some old scientist classics. Um, and there's gold prizes to win as well. You can win custom arcade cabinets and bar tab and merch pack and $100 arcade tokens from Netherworld. Um, there's all, that is a lot of gaming goodness right there. Uh, also, you can win fresh organic produce and pantry supplies for a year, courtesy of all my friends, Brisbane's newest and friendliest grocer. Uh, showcasing local organic and ethical produce. Or you could win a year of free gigs at the Triffid for you and a mate. That's assuming there will be gigs this year, but we're thinking that they will. I think they've got things going on at the Triffid occasionally at the moment. Um, a year of Coffee Supreme beans and home brewing kit if you are a caffeine fiend. Um, that was a good one to go for. Um, or Blues Fest 2021 camping festival and camping double passes. Those are all the major prizes. Plus, there's different prizes for different subscriber types. Plus, daily prizes. It is a bonanza at four triple Z. Hey, Andy, uh, it's Ian here, everyone. Uh, they just asked me downstairs. It, it'd be good for today if you could. Uh, subscribe online if you go to 4ZZZ.org.au rather than ring in because we're a bit light on on the phones today. That's just for today. So, you know, just jump on, on the website and you can do the subscription there, eh? But if it's choosing between not calling up and uh, not subscribing or calling, just call up. Call. Somebody will take it. Yep. Um, yep. Help pitch in. Keep Triple Z on air. Yeah. Um, that's all, like, just do it, you know. It's uh, really, yeah. there's prizes, but also it's about being part of making our own media. Um, I'm going to go on because I talked to Brian Tui, and he has a lot to talk about. Brian, he is a legend of Australian investigative journalism, and we spoke about Pine Gap, and so I'm going to go back to, let's go have a listen to what Brian says. First, about Pine Gap, what it does, how it joins us at the hip with the U.S., uh, military program, and secondly, did Pine Gap play a part in the dismissal of Gough Whitlam? Could you start by introducing yourself? I'm uh, Brian Tuey, a journalist. I'm based in Sydney now. And, uh, the, the most recent sort of serious thing I've done is a book called Secret, The Making of Australia's Security State, uh, which goes over uh, a lot of these different issues, right, you know, from the wars we've been involved across to incredibly tough new uh, national security laws and lots of other issues. And as part of studying over a number of years, a number of decades, studying Australia's security state, you have looked somewhat into Pine Gap, the secretive American spy base in the middle of Australia. Yes, it's... Um, it's, what, it's probably the most important of the American intelligence bases in Australia. That they're called joint bases, but in the end, it's America that has the main say. So uh, there are other bases elsewhere in Australia, and they're all doing the same thing. There's ones near Darwin. There's ones uh, out on the west coast of Western Australia. There's ones in Canberra, and so on. 
and they basically intercept signals, radio signals. And in the case of Pine Gap, it it does it two ways. It's got uh, satellites uh, overhead in a stationary position or geostationary position. It's it's orbiting the Earth, but it's the same spot in relation to the equator, and that gives them a stable sort of platform for looking down, it's the wrong word, of course, looking because it's sound they're intercepting, to intercept a huge range of signals that's below it or within the footprint. And that's a very, very big area of of land that's covered. So it can uh, cover parts, large parts of Russia, China, so forth. And, of course, the other part of it, it can cover sort of everything basically that's happening in Australia, provided it's, it, it, it intercepts everything that's on the particular wavelength being looked into, and that can be things like microwave phone calls and faxes and, and uh, you know, emails and everything else, videos and so forth and so on. So, and then the other side of this, what, what they can also do, and there's a lot of this at these different bases in Australia, including Pine Gap, where they put a satellite ground station that can listen in to one of the commercial communication stations, uh, you know, sending messages to and fro. So they get, you know, 30 or 40 different these sort of satellites can be listened into from the ground stations at various parts of Australia, all basically run by the US National Security Agency. Um, Pine Gap used to be run by the CIA, but now it's the National Security Agency. And, um, and so that puts us in... And what it does, the core thing that Pine Gap does in, and these other bases, is feed information into uh, the America's giant uh, surveillance network, which uh, Edward Snowden released a lot about that in about 2013, I should say, when he was working part, at different times for the NSA and the CIA, and he's, um, he, he t- uh, took huge numbers of documents showing what they did. But the other important thing that Pine Gap is, does is uh, locate targets uh, for U.S. military actions into the U.S. military machine and also into the drone program, which is part of, mainly run by the CIA, for attacking what they think is a terrorist site and often in those in those cases you know lots of innocent people get killed they've either got the wrong person or they've used such amount such a high amount of explosive that uh they kill lots of innocent bystanders so that's the number of it yeah so i mean that's right there's the two concerns there i guess the the U.S. wholesale kind of collection of data on all citizens in the yeah. planet, but also the key role it has in military in identifying targets and actually um, targeting those people through through the yeah. metadata collected. And it's instantaneous or real-time. Uh, what they're collecting is not so much metadata in the sense of phone calls, but a whole lot of digital signals, uh, my, my, it doesn't have to be microwave. They can do it on different frequencies, except, so I know it's, they're going to do it on very low frequencies, but that gives them an enormous range of picking up all sorts of things, like where radars, once radars are turned on, they can be located and they can attack radars, and that, but all sorts of other things. They can take 
uh, different orbits, more low-flying low sort of orbits, and they can pick up all sorts of things ranging from jet fighter planes exhaust to commercial airliners um, and uh, the flares from smaller missile launches. And, um, and that's very important during a, a war uh, when they want to intercept, you know, where missiles are being launched from, etc., etc. So that all goes on top of... It feeds into the uh, warfighting capability of, of uh, the Americans. I mean, in 2013, one of the uh, documents that is quite a long document that Snowden released was a report done by the NSA on what Pine Gap did. And it stressed that it was part of the warfighting machinery as well as the, you know, the global surveillance technology or the use of that into that goes into a massive mm. database so that's, that's why yeah. the americans think pine gap's very important it's why for some reason most australian strategic analysts don't think it's all that important they think it's more that we've got a warm and loving relationship with the united states or something when after i've been working in canberra i went to to Washington to work for the Financial Review and the National Times there. And Marshall Green, who, who had been the ambassador during the Whitlam years, uh, I, I spoke to him and I said, well, you know, what was your real job there? He said, well, the three goals, one which was the most important of all, that uh, we kept our facilities there, by, why, by which he meant the uh, intelligence facilities and the Northwest Cape submarine communications base. That was by far the most important, followed by keeping uh, Australia open to foreign investment from America. And thirdly, and not so important, was uh, getting you to, getting us to put up our hands at the UN and other forums whenever the Americans wanted us to. Um, so nothing has changed in that regard. That, there's no doubt whatsoever that the intelligence gathering facilities here are the most important asset that the US has here uh, and it's far more important than whether or not we contribute a couple of thousand troops to the next American war or something uh, even though I think Australians see it, oh you know there's a war coming up, uh, we better contribute some troops, or well, some of them do or a lot of them do, or governments do uh, but we are contributing massively because Pine Gap has a particular focus on China now And I guess this is one of the other things besides the role that Pine Gap plays in in wars, and we might have ethical concerns about surveillance or about drone assassination programs, but also it is a bit of taking away Australia's sovereignty in a potential global conflict. That, that is, uh, that is a, a key point that's overlooked. I mean, there are two ways in which Australian sovereignty is now being damaged uh, in terms of the American war fighting and surveillance uh, capabilities is apart from the obvious one which uh, is in terms of the more traditional military at the recent OSMIN that's the Australian US ministerial talks in Washington a lot of reporting went on about how the Australian minister said oh you know we, we, we'll look after our own interests we don't necessarily go with you all the way what they, then they released Sorry, they didn't release, they announced that there was a top secret new agreement dealing with the integration of our military forces into the US. And no one seemed to write that up as, as a, which is, what, which is what it is, a, a severe impairment of Australian sovereignty. Now, if Americans go to war, and it's China or whatever, the assumption is that various Australian 
uh, military assets, including you know ships or maybe planes and so on, uh, immediately had a had a an already practiced role. But on top of that, uh, of course, the importance of the time gap and that is in preparing for targets in China. Uh, th- that is particularly important. Roll your pants up. Take one baby. If everybody in Australia Perth the fire is by God on a jumbo California Wearing New York t-shirts Living in LA Channel Mac and West Seven Seven USA We think Jimmy Carter That is Red Gum there. Tell Malcolm we're serving, serving USA. A bit of a classic. Um, and of course, we are still serving USA all these years later. Pine Gap is probably one of the most integral things joining Australia to, Pine, to the US military complex. Now, one little bit of history which Brian Tui knows more about than almost anybody is the role that Pine Gap and the US played in the dismissal of Gough Whitlam. Let's have a listen. Now, um, one of the other things that you've written quite a bit about um, going back to the 70s, which is very interesting about Pine Gap, is the, the possible role that Pine Gap played in one of the infamous moments of Australian politics, which is the dismissal of Gough Whitlam. Can you tell us a bit about this? Pine Gap wasn't the only thing involved there, but um, that was certainly one of the Americans' concerns was whether or not Whitlam uh, might be going to kick them out at some stage. I, I'll just go back a little bit. It's a classic case of attempted foreign interference, and in some cases, outright foreign interference. Now, I, I think there are lots of strong suggestions that the Americans were involved in an attempt to destabilise the Whitlam government, but there's no proof 
that they actually were involved in uh, getting Kerr to sack Whitlam himself. I um, mean, they could have done so, but uh, and the were. Australian ministers, sorry, Australian officials did brief Kerr on key things like the Americans' concerns about uh, what Whitlam was doing to Pine Gap and so forth. But and my view of that is Kerr had, I think, made up his mind near the end to sack Whitlam. And that sort of information about the American concerns about Whitlam would have contributed to or reinforced his decision to do so. But it wasn't, didn't necessarily trigger it. Mm. I, I think we need to also keep in uh, mind here. I'm guilty of saying this: that saying it's if the if the US interfered, it's not necessarily the CIA. It could, it could be another one of their intelligence operations that are far more secretive. Back then, there was a Navy intelligence unit called Task One Five Seven that could have done uh, that job. The former head of this what they call the CIA station in Canberra, told me later that he uh, knew that American naval intelligence was doing something in Sydney and Melbourne, but he was never told what it was. And so it was incredibly secretive what they were doing. Uh, but essentially what happened was that, uh, just to leave no doubt about how, how, how interference did occur, is... John Walker, the same CIA station chief, told me that uh, the head of counterintelligence at that stage in the CIA, uh, he wanted, uh, or desperately wanted, uh, the Whitlam government to be gone. And uh, that was James Angleton, as, you know, basically an incredibly paranoid, deluded. <laughs> so he finally got sacked because the, the new head of the CIA couldn't understand a word about what he was saying. But he was very, very keen to get rid of Whitlam, and so were some rebels within uh, ASIO who didn't like uh, the Whitlam government or the person who had become head of ASIO, uh, and that, what they tried to do, and that was, the, the head of it was Peter Barber, was they tried to get Barber to say that Whitlam lied in a conversation with Barber and the claim was that he lied but not but by he Whitlam told Parliament that he had not um, that Barber had not actually made any complaints about the so-called raid by Lionel Murphy on on uh, ACO's headquarters in Melbourne and what what happened there is Walker told me that he he wasn't very keen on this so what he did when he saw uh, Barber, he said to him, listen, uh, uh, we want you to, you deny that Whitlam told the truth in Parliament. In other words, you say that you did complain to Whitlam and he's lied to Parliament. And that is supposed to be a sacking offence. <clears throat> Walker told me that he was not keen on this at all doing this and that Barber just said, no, it was not true. And he left it at that. So, but that was an, that was an attempt by a joint sort of renegade ASIO people and this bizarre, demented sort of American, very senior and very powerful CIA official to damage Whitlam very, very early on. But in 1974, a much more serious attempt, I think, was undertaken, and that is, is spelt out in a book by, or documents found in the American archives by a professor of history 
at Sydney University, James Curran, <coughs> he found documents where they were contemplating using the CIA to destabilise the Whitlam government and get rid of him. And as that was in 1974 when they didn't have as many things to complain about about Whitlam as you would have thought in 1975. But even then, uh, it, it was a long battle for it not to go ahead. Marshall Green was one of those who said, look, if do not do this because Whitlam has, will then be able to shut down Pine Gap and the rest of the, you know, the other facilities we have here, and we uh, would it take four years to find another ground station for Pine Gap, probably Guam or somewhere like that. And um, and he won the day. But in the next year, as tensions mounted with Whitlam, uh, particularly over that you would have thought that if it was if they wanted to do it in 1974, they had all the more reason in their own eyes to do it in 1975. And their big concern was that um, actually, I is that. Whitlam, after I wrote in the Financial Review that the head of the uh, Pine Gap in Australia was a CIA official, not, as Whitlam had been told, a defence official, Defence Department official. He had been, the head of the de Defence Department at that stage, Arthur Tang, had lied to him, point blank lied to Whitlam in his first briefing. And when Whitlam found this out, he was very angry and, and uh, got out of Tang, got his admission that it was in fact uh, someone called Richard Stallings from the CIA who was initially set it up and there was still CIA involvement in running the whole thing. So what happened then was after Fraser blocked the budget and was commence trying to bring on an election, uh, there was immense concern about uh, what Whitlam was up to. And at, at that stage, just before, not long before, um, Tang actually, sorry, Kerr actually sacked Whitlam. The, there was another CI guy here who was essentially doing analytical work on what was happening in Australia. And I got hold of just about all of his uh, cables back to Washington for the last six months or so before the dismissal of the Whitlam government. And in it, he, he was had a wonderful name, Dunning Idol the Four was his name, or the Fourth. He was actually a very good analyst of what was happening in Australian politics. And in in November, he started to write that with the Fraser Fraser was going backwards. The opinion of polls and the, and the public were for, um, actually, you know, very very disappointed about what was happening because of the budget being blocked and possible cut off of money, etc. And Whitlam's uh, position was greatly strengthened. So in this context, the then head of the East Asia Division of the CIA, which includes uh, uh, Australia, he wrote a telex to ATO saying, you must tell us what on earth Whitlam's up to, otherwise our intelligence links, we'll have to reconsider our intelligence links, they may longer, no longer be able to, to be... Uh, 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 maintained and this needless to say caused a, a huge flurry around the sort of what they call the intelligence community around Canberra and that and I, I asked him I also spoke to, to after I exactly back back in America I, he told, I said to him did you give a copy to 
her and he said no no we didn't do that we gave it to other people in the intelligence community but um, Kerr, who was immensely interested in all this sort of stuff, was getting various briefings about what was happening. And any, any American ambassador could, I don't know if the American ambassador did brief him, but he could. But what I do know is that the chief defence scientist at that time, who, who had basically uh, the, the carriage of looking after Pine Gap uh, underneath Tang, as the head of the department, he told me that. Tang ordered him to brief Kerr about the Americans' concerns and discontent on the 8th of November. And he... And that, that, that's... That, my statement... Was that was at a garden party in, outside, in the Senate on the, in the morning, of just before I wrote that up. And he, later on, much, much later on, Bill Morrison, who was the Defence Minister confirmed that a defence official had briefed Kerr and Kerr had asked for the briefing. And um, I, that, that, and that, from that flowed the, the, the accusations, really, that uh, Whitlam had leaked to, to me, presumably, uh, that the Shire rang Pine Gap. Uh, I, I, he didn't... I had not told him that... He had not told me... And I hadn't told him, uh, except when he opened up the paper and read it. But uh, they were completely misconceived about what they thought Whitlam was up to. But a key thing for their concerns was that the Pine Gap uh, agreement to have it here, uh, notice to, to uh, not renew it, could be given on December 10 uh, in 1975. So... They were getting incredibly agitated about what Whitlam would do. He had said earlier in Parliament that um, all the existing bases here could be kept, but there'd be no renewal of their or new uh, agreements for bases to be put here from any country because it was derogation in military or intelligence bases because they were a derogation of our own sovereignty. And they were very worried that he meant it. I think he pull back from that and say to other journalists who knew what his thinking was uh, but nonetheless that add, added to their concerns now there's, there's no doubt that Kerr uh, was aware of these concerns and as I say I think that he had already by that stage made it clear that he wanted to sack Whitlam uh, but this would be reinforcing him and give him one more reason to do so there it is, folks, from Brian Tui, uh, investigative journalist. Um, did the US instigate the coup of Whitlam because they're worried about Whitlam not renewing the Pine Gap lease in December? Well, he's not convinced, but they certainly did a lot of meddling in the Australian government at that time. And let that be a lesson to any politician who tries to challenge US bases in Australia or Australia's connection to the US military complex. Um, that's that's the real deal. That's it. Brian Tui said it is a, a threat to Australian sovereignty having Pine Gap there. We're out of time on the paradigm shift. Um, come along Sunday afternoon, House Conspiracy at 4pm for the launch of Kieran Finney's wonderful book, Peace.